Welcome to our service online today. Hey, if you're watching from anywhere else other than New England, we had an amazing storm yesterday. So today I thought I would just come to you, to your living room from this house right here in our studio and minister to God's word. I hope you are bundled up, staying warm. Hey, if you're a guest with us today, would you do us a favor? Would you text us? You could text IFC Connect to 77977. We want to get to know a little bit more about you, and we would love to send some information about who we are as a church and how you can connect with us. Hey, maybe you found us through Instagram, Facebook. Hey, right there in the chat box today, let us know where you're watching from and maybe how you found out about us as a church. Hey, bow your heads right where you're at. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to deliver a great message to you. I hope it inspires you today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, even in our homes. Lord, thank you for technology that we can worship you, that we could study your word, that we could hear your voice uh, today as a, a congregation, as a family. Father, I thank you for giving us ears to hear what you'd have us to hear. Lord, give us eyes to see what you'd have us to see today. Give us open hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. Father, I thank you for the stories, the scriptures, and the illustrations that you've placed in my heart over this last week. Lord, I thank you that they penetrate the heart of the hearer. Those that are watching live, those that will watch this stream back, and those that will even listen to it later on our podcast, I thank you, Father, for giving us vision today. Vision for our lives, vision for our families, vision for our, our businesses, vision for our church and our communities. Lord, we thank you that you're the great creator. And so today we thank you that vision is coming to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hey, today was scheduled to be Vision Sunday, but we're going to push that back until next week. But I do want to talk about vision. I believe that vision is one of the most powerful tools of the believer, and it, and it does so much for us. And I, I kind of get excited about this. So today I've tried to compress a little bit of vision and just some bullet points for you today, a vision for your life, vision for your family. Maybe you're looking for vision. But I want to I just take a few minutes today and talk about vision. The definition of vision, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is vision is simply the ability to see. It's something that you imagine, it's a picture, maybe that you see in your mind. You know, we have natural eyes. Well, this last week, my son is learning uh, nose and eyes and ears, so he keeps poking me in the eyes, saying eyes, eyes, eyes. Uh, we have natural eyes that allow us to see things uh, in the natural realm. In fact, our, our natural eyes are so important, they are the second most complex organ in our body, second only to the brain. But what about natural vi or spiritual vision? Eyes give us natural vision, but what about spiritual vision? What about God-ordained vision? What about the things that we see in our hearts or things that we see in our spirits that maybe haven't happened yet? You know, I believe that as, as God created us, He has a vision for each and every one of us. For every one of our creations, us as His creations, he has a purpose, He has a plan, and He has a vision for us. I believe that heavenly vision is communication simply from God the Father to us as His children, as believers. I like to say it this way, vision is something that God gives us to help us navigate the future. The truth is, is nothing ever becomes a reality without first becoming vision. Now this may sound simple, but I'm a golf fanatic. I've loved golf since I was just a little kid and spent thousands and thousands of hours not only on the on the range hitting golf balls, but playing rounds of golf. And I had a couple lessons. And one of the lessons that a guy gave me, he said that 
Josh, he said, to, to perfect your swing, and every golfer wants the perfect swing, he said, you need to visualize in your mind what that swing looks like. In golf, you swing the club on a, on a specific plane so that it hits the ball and it causes it to fly a certain trajectory. And he would say to me, Josh, before you swing the club, visualize yourself swinging the club. That's what we do with vision. It's, it's, it's God-given vision that helps us see the trajectory of where our life is supposed to go. I love the story of uh, Walt Disney. Uh, they're, the, they're, they're getting ready to open the Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And, and Walt Disney has passed. He's already died and they're standing there at the gates. They're getting ready to open it for the first day. And a lot of the engineers and the builders are there. And one of them looks at the other and he said, oh man, if, if Walt could only be here to see this, if, if Walt could only see this today. One of the other engineers turned to him and said, he did see it. That's why we're experiencing it today. Walt Disney had a vision long before they built the buildings, before they built the structures and all the rides. So let me ask you this, why do we need God-ordained or what I would call God-inspired vision? Why is it so important for us? Proverbs 29, 18 says it very simply, where there is no vision, the people perish. One translation says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people are uncontrolled. If, if that's what vision is for, then I think we need it. I like to say it this way. We need vision because it gives us life. It gives us a future. It points to the future. It sets the course for our actions. Vision simply puts up guardrails. It helps keep us focused and it sets boundaries around our life. Vision also does something for us collectively as, as a church, as a family. Vision rallies us together and it provides a structure for a desired outcome. Next week, as we talk about Vision Sunday, that's exactly what vision's going to do for us as a church. Is, is I give the mandate for the year and as I share what God has set on our course for this year, it's going to give us life. It's going to give us energy. It's going to give us strength that points to the future. It's going to actually put up some guardrails for us as a church to where it'll be very easy for us to say, no, we're not doing that or no, we're not going there because this is the vision that God's given us. I believe that vision truly does rally people together and it provides a structure for a desired outcome. Listen to this, my favorite author, Mark Batterson. He says it this way. He says, I think vision is the cure for sin. Vision is the cure for sin. One reason many of us get entangled in sin is because we don't have enough God-ordained vision to keep us busy. The more vision you have, the less you will sin. And the less vision you have, the, the more you will sin. I love this. He says, it is a vision from God that keeps us playing offense spiritually. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like you're playing defense all the time? Does it feel like you're constantly getting hit from the left and the right and maybe you're not making much advancement in your dreams and your passion? I would challenge you right here at the beginning of this message. Today, as I'm speaking, ask the Lord, renew my vision. Give me vision. Revitalize my vision because here's the, what we're saying today is when we get vision, it gets us focused and it keeps us from getting entangled with any other thing that the enemy might try to use to slow us down. So, hey, I want you to get your smartphone out, get your iPad out, maybe old school, get a pen and pencil out. I want to give you just a few key tips or thoughts on understanding God or vision over the next few minutes here. And the first point I want to make to you is God vision for your life comes from his word. 
The vision for, for your life, God's vision, is ordained vision or His inspired vision, it only comes from one place. It comes from His Word first. Truth is, is in John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, was with God. And then in 1 John 14, we say, we find that it says the Word, God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word's always existed. It's always been there. The Word and God are the same. And now the Word became flesh through Jesus. And so now the Word is living amongst humanity. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I love this. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And he's talking about vision. He's talking about them getting an understanding of who they are and who they are in Christ. He says, it's, it's in Christ. Say that out loud with me, right where you're at in your home or maybe in your car. Say, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and in everyone. It's in Christ, in His Word. The more you spend time in God's Word, the more you find out about your identity and who you are in Christ. And then all of a sudden, vision comes alive. I, I, I didn't put this in my notes for today, but I'm going to take a second. That's what happened with Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, an angel came down and said, Almighty warrior. Gideon looked around and said, man, who are you talking about? I know you're not talking about me. I'm the weakest. My, my tribe is the, the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm, I'm the lowest in my tribe. You, who are you talking about, Lord? And he was trying to say to, to Gideon, I have a purpose for you. I have a vision for you to, to, to deliver your people from the Midianites. But first, you've got to see who you are. How do we find out who we are in Christ? We find out who we are in Christ through reading the Word. It illuminates our natural thinking to understand, oh my gosh, I have these abilities and these skills and these talents. There's an anointing on me. I can see the vision for my life now because I know who I am in Christ and I found it in the Word. Psalms 119, 105, one of my favorites. It says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. Vision, God-ordained vision, comes from opening up the book. It comes from opening up the Bible and when we open up the Bible, guess what? It casts light on our path and it acts as a lamp unto our feet. Maybe you're watching today and you say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know that I have much vision. I don't know that I can see much further than the end of the day or the end of the week. I, I don't know what God's called me to do. Let me challenge you with this. It's, it starts with opening God's Word. It starts with opening the book and saying, Lord, show me who I am. Who, who do you see me as? And the truth is, is God will begin to, through His Word, speak to you and give you a mental image. He'll enlarge your heart to see something greater than what you can see with your natural mind. He's going to open the eyes of your spiritual heart. Number two, a little point here is God's vision for your life. It may not be understood by those around you. Too many Christians, including myself, have talked so much about vision that we've allowed other people who don't understand it and didn't hear it from God for themselves be talked out of it or talk ourselves out of it. There's a story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 verse 5 that clearly depicts this. Joseph's family laughed at him when he told them about his vision and what God had for his life. In Genesis 37 verse 5, out of the NIV, 
It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his dream to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. And then all of a sudden, my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Is that what you're saying? Will, will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said to them. Verse 9, it says, Then later he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I, I had another dream, and, and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you've had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to you before the, on the ground before you? His brothers then became jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Go do the rest of the story on your own. Read through it. They got so angry that they actually took him and sold him into slavery. They were so angry about the vision, about the, the dream that he had, and they were so insecure that they sold him into slavery. They took his coat, covered it with mud and blood, and took it to his father and said, Joseph was eaten by a wild animal. Now, I pray that never happens to you, but I think there's a key lesson to learn in this, that we're careful that we don't tell everybody the vision that God has for us. The truth is, they may not understand it, they may not like it, and ultimately they may try to talk you out of it. Telling people that we're going to stay in, uh, let, me let me say it this way, telling people what God told us doesn't come across the same way. When God speaks to our heart about vision, He has a distinct way of speaking to us from His Spirit to our spirit. I was thinking about the time just a little over three years ago when Pastor Jonathan and Verna, our founding pastors, asked Stephanie and I if we would prayfully consider stepping into the lead pastor role. And, and we, we began to pray about it and, and, and process that together. And, and we made the decision, yes, we're going to do that. This is, this is God's vision for us. We can see ourselves. Here in New England pastoring, we could see ourselves raising our children here. We could see ourselves continuing the vision that had been planted for 40 years. But I got to be honest with you, as we begin to share that vision with different friends and family members, not everybody understood it. They would say stuff like, don't you know it snows like crazy in New England? Don't you know it's going to be six months of winter up there? I mean, you guys are Southerners. You're not, you're not used to it. Don't you know that it's a different culture up there? And all of a sudden, as, as we began to share our vision, what God had revealed to us, we found ourselves even kind of questioning, well, wait a second, these are important people in our life. They may have a point here. Maybe we need to reconsider. And all of a sudden, I had to shut it down and say, you know what? I don't need anybody's opinion. I know what God told us to do. Maybe for some of you out there, you're like me. You love to talk. You love to share your vision. I want to just challenge you. Keep your vision close to your heart and keep your mouth closed. One of, one of the, one of the verses I pray over me is Psalms 141, 3. Lord, help me put a guard over my mouth so I don't speak against your plan for my life. See, the truth is, is God's vision for your life is between you and Him. My pastor, Pastor Jonathan, shared an amazing quote with me years ago, and I'm going to give it to you today. It's helped me 
in so many situations where I began to share things with people who didn't understand it. Here's the quote. He said, don't share your dreams with non-dreamers. So simple. He said that to me and I was like, they don't understand. They're not getting it. He said, Josh, you're a dreamer and you're sharing your dreams with non-dreamers. You know, the truth is, is not everybody will understand what God has spoken to you. Even for us as a church, God's vision for IFC, for us as a church family, it's tailor-made for His calling on us as a people. I don't know if you know this, but we're pretty unique church. So His vision for us is going to be unique. We're not called to be like every other church. Sixty nations gathering together over four generations. I would say this, that, that most churches won't understand how God put that together, let alone on how God wants to use us to impact not only our local communities and our neighborhoods, but all the way around the world. Listen, let me just say it to you again. Don't share your dreams with non-dreamers. Number three, third point I want to give you today about vision is that God's vision for your life is only attainable by faith. God's vision for your life is only attainable by faith. Right now in our society, there's a lot of talk about hustle and grind and, and working hard. And, and I love all that. I love dedication. I love persistence, perseverance. But let me tell you something. There's a difference between persevering and, and, and hustling and grinding in the, in the natural and persevering in the spirit until you see what he showed you on the inside happens all on the outside. And that work is called the work of faith. Each and every one of us have been given a measure of faith. And the way that we work our faith is we continue to trust God and we continue to take action steps towards the vision that we see in our hearts. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He says it so simply, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What's going to please God? Us fulfilling the vision that he gave for us. Us taking his word as it, as we find it in, as, as we find the vision in God's word and we apply it to our lives and we begin to live that out. That's what pleases God. When we, when we follow him, when we trust him, when we take the promises out of the word and we hold them up as a reminder and say, Lord, this is the vision you gave to me eight years ago. I'm still holding on to it. Faith is how we attain the vision for our life. The truth is, is anything that God calls us to do is beyond our ability, and it requires faith. Think back over the, the stories that we heard as kids in the Bible, the, the great heroes of faith that we talk about in Hebrews chapter 12, like, like Noah. A guy got a vision from the Lord about a, a flood coming. He was forewarned and given instructions on how to navigate his future. He's told on how to build the boat and where to get the animals and on what day and how this was going to happen. It took faith for him to trust what he couldn't see in the natural. How about Abraham when God took him outside the tent and said, Look up at the stars, for your seed shall be even more than that. It took faith for, for Abraham to trust the Lord even when his own physical body wasn't able to reproduce. How about David? David shows up at a war where he's brought sandwiches for his brothers and he hears this Philistine, uh, uh, this Philistine giant talking trash to the children of God. And in one moment, he got a vision of himself 
taking the head off that giant and saving the people of Israel, saving his family. David trusted God when he walked out on that battlefield with a vision of what he had seen with a sling and some stones. How about Moses? Moses, a stutterer, trusting God when he said, go and tell Pharaoh, hey, I set my people free. He had to trust God in the moment when they began to, to walk out of slavery and headed towards the promised land. Then my friend Joshua, as he's standing on the river and he says, hey, Moses is dead. Let's go up and take the land. The Lord said, Joshua, you got the goods. Let's go. It took faith to step into the water with the ark of the Lord. It took faith to say, hey, I know we've been wandering and we've been tested for 40 years, but now is our moment. Listen, it's going to take faith to accomplish whatever it is that God has for you in your life. Whatever vision he's shown you or is continually starting to show you, it's only going to be achieved by faith. Mark Batterson says this. He says, don't let fear dictate your decisions. If your vision is God-given, it will most definitely be beyond your ability and beyond your resources. The God who gives the vision is the same God who makes the provision. Now, I don't know who's watching today, but you're saying, man, I got a big vision. It's, it's so big, but, but I don't have the money. I don't have the manpower. I don't have the tools. I don't have the vehicles. I don't have the facilities. I don't even have the home. Let me say this to you. If God gave you the vision, he has the ability to get you the provision. The resources and tools that you need are tied up in the word with your name on it, and they're released by faith. Any vision that God gives us requires great faith. Number four, and this will be my final point, and I'll wrap it up right here. God's vision for your life, it isn't about you. If it's a God-ordained vision, if it's a God-inspired vision, if it's a supernatural vision, it doesn't always have to do with you. Jesus came on a mission from God, sent to earth. Guess what? Jesus' life was not about him. It was about us. Jesus didn't come for 33 years and walk as a human for himself. He did it as a sacrifice for us. Let me say it to you very clearly. A God-given vision is always about others. See, many people struggle to succeed in, in what they think is their vision is because they have themselves at the center of everything. One of the greatest lessons that I've learned in the last 45 years of my life is it's not about me. It's taken me many, many decades to get that and many patient people around me. But I can tell you this, in this season, I've grasped a hold of the vision that God has for me, knowing that, that I have a part to play in it. But the ultimate goal of God's vision for my life as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, as a leader, as a Christ follower, it's the vision that God gave me. That my life is to be used so that others benefit from it. See, when we submit our lives and our agendas and our will, our plans and our ego and drive to the vision that God has for our life, everyone around us wins, including us. I want to ask you today, maybe you've had a vision for your life, but it doesn't fit into the point number four because it doesn't really benefit others. If you were honest with yourself, you'd say, man, the vision was about me and my four and no more. I would challenge you and say, you need to go back to the book and ask the Lord, 
hey, is that just something I came up with? Is that something that, that you inspired, but I've twisted and I've gotten off track? Help me get it back on track. A God-ordained vision isn't always about you. Jesus was the greatest example of living within a God-ordained vision. Everything he did, everything he was, everything who he is today is for others to benefit. He said this in John chapter 6, verse 38 out of the NLT. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. You and I know a lot of people that are focused on their will, their drive, their creativity, their business plan, their focus. And they're all over the map, even though they think they've got a vision. God's vision for us narrows it down to the recipient is somebody else. The best way or the best test to see if your vision is from God, or if you just came up with it on your own, is to see who benefits from it. Let me give you just four quick takeaways from what we talked about today. And I'll, and I'll wrap this up. Number one, number one takeaway, God's vision for your life comes from his word. It comes primarily from his word. It doesn't come from a prophet. It doesn't come from anything else. Those confirm those, but it comes strictly from God's word, number one. The second takeaway is don't share your dreams with non-dreamers. Maybe you're like me and you need to write this scripture down. Psalm 141, verse three. Lord, help set a guard over my mouth. Keep a watch over the doors of my lips. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Number three, take a step of faith. Take action on what you see in your heart. Do something today to make your vision a reality. And lastly, learn to live selflessly, thinking more about others than you are yourself. For a true God-ordained vision is always about others. Hey, I want to just say thank you so much uh, for tuning in today. Uh, it means the world to me that you would join me and, and come to hear God's word. I'm sorry we weren't able to meet in person today, but I pray that you were inspired. I pray that as we approach Vision Sunday next week, you'll begin to think about your vision and the vision that God has for your life. Maybe today you're watching and you say, man, I just, I need prayer. I, I, this, I, I don't know that I have a vision or maybe I've missed God's vision. I need some more clarity. I need some more understanding. And we've got a prayer team that's logged in right now online, right there in the ch chat box. You could raise your hand or just say, hey, I need prayer. And they would love to pray with you over any need you may have. Maybe your need is a little bit longer than that. You could email us. Our prayer team is available all week. Our staff gathers to pray. We would love to pray for you. Simply email us prayer at intlfamilychurch.com. We'll be sure to cover you this week in prayer. Hey, next week, Vision Sunday. Turn to your friend right there with you. Say, Vision Sunday, we're going in person right here at IFC, 9 and 11. I'm going to bring a, a powerful word that's going to kind of help set the trajectory for where God's calling us to go this year. And I want to just say as we close, thank you for your continuous generosity. If you want to give today, if you want to honor God in your tithes, you want to sow a seed, you want to give an offering on the screen right there, we're going to put all the different ways you can give. Last year, we, we ended with a bang, giving away so much resources to our community and around the world. I'm believing that together, this year we're going to exceed. Last year, we're going to continue to bless everybody that God's called us to bless. I want to say thank you for being a part of that. Let me pray for you as we close. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's watching, every man, woman, and child. Lord, I thank you that they know who they are in Christ, number one. 
Lord, if they don't have a relationship with you, that they would call out to you, said, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so those that are watching today and you don't know him, simply call out and say, Lord, I want to know you. I, I want to submit my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Repent. I repent of my sins. You could do that right there at your house. But Lord, I thank you for giving them vision. Thank you, Father, for vision being stirred today and in some that where vision is may have just rested idle or it's just been settled. Thank you that our vision has been stirred today. We know it comes from your word. So we make a, a conscious effort this week to open up your book, to study your word. Lord, I thank you for those that feel like their vision has been lost or derailed. Lord, you're the great resurrector. We thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead physically can resurrect our dreams. It can resurrect the vision that you have for us. And so I speak life over each and every person listening today. Resurrected life in their dreams, in their plans, in their thoughts, in their life. Lord, that you would get the glory and that others would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love you so much. Have a great week. I'll see you next week at Vision Sunday.